Welcome to your online coffee break, where we discuss bite-sized topics that inspire, educate, and entertain. Here's your host, a software innovator, award-winning marketer, and astronomy and space boss, Chuck Fields. Hello, thanks for joining me today for your online coffee break. Today, I'm thrilled to introduce my special guest, Jude Cole. Jude is a singer, songwriter, guitarist, film composer, producer, and manager. He scored his top 10 hit, Baby It's Tonight, in the early 90s, and he just released his first new music in 21 years. This year, he released two albums, Kudamon, a multi-genre solo release, and Coolerator, a collection of his favorite songs from the 50s. Jude joins me today to discuss his new music and amazing career. Online Coffee Break. Jude, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Well, I tell you, your career amazes me. You know, not only did you begin this amazing solo career, what, in 1987, soon after scoring your top 10 hit, Baby It's Tonight, but now you just released not one, but two new albums this year, Kudamon and Coolerator, your first new music in 21 years. And on top of that, you've also been managing and producing for artists Lifehouse and Jason Wade, and you're the co-founder of the Ironworks music label alongside your friend, actor Kiefer Sutherland. Have you always been so driven, Jude? This is amazing. You know, I haven't been, well, the, the, the driven part is twofold. I guess I am driven, uh, but I'm not driven like some people I meet. I mean, I'm not driven in a way that likes to put me in front of the camera much. I don't really enjoy that part. So um, my, my drive has always been trying to figure out, I think, well, how do I make a living without being the guy? Yeah. And, and, and really, I think, you know, to be brutally honest about the whole thing, it is about making a living uh, after you've gone through the threshold and the, and the uh, cross the threshold of the music business to where it's no longer just about, you know, being able to do it and having the joy and fun of, you know, like playing in a band, let's say when, when you first start and then you, you get a little older and you have to pay your rent with it and you get a little <laughs> older than that and you have to feed your kids with it yeah, uh, and so on and so forth. So it really does become a pragmatic, uh, uh, can I do this? And as a solo artist, I, I, I saw, you know, that I, I could do it. it wasn't easy. Um, and it was going to require a lot of touring and yeah. I just, I really wasn't wired that way. So you're right. I am driven. And I was driven enough to actually say, uh, if I'm going to stay in the music business, I'm going to have to change directions because uh, you know, what's happening musically is not necessarily my style right now. I'm not fitting into any, any place. I'm not fitting anywhere. And, uh, and that's when I got into management. See, I think that's so cool. And I, I hate to interrupt, but I, I was just, even what you said, you know, you realize, Hey, I don't want to be on the road. I'm much more comfortable in the studio and when you're talking about music not being, you know, I don't know, mainstream or whatever, that's where you stand out. Because, I mean, you have this passion, you have this incredible ability to come up with your own styles, your own multiple genres of music. I thought I was the only one who liked different genres all the time, but you not only like them, you can create awesome music in it. And that's what uh, Kudamon really um, got my attention. Um, yeah, I took I took French, but I still had to look up the definition of it. You know, translates to I love this a sudden surprise attack, especially one made during an army during war. Now, no, no, you're not going to war here, 
but <laughs> it is kind of a surprise attack. I mean, it, it's got your multi-gender, your variety of styles. Um, what brought you into just being interested in the multi-genres and making music in that way? I think growing up in the era that I did, it wasn't about, you know, we weren't marketed to as kids, um, <clears throat> like the Disney generation. Yeah. Uh, they did have a a, a a little bit of a niche thing with the Sean Cassidy's, if you remember, the Donny Osmond's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Tiger Beat magazine and all that. And I, mm-hmm. I, I would see it in the Five and Dime store and supermarket and things like that. Um, but that was never like I was waiting for the midnight special. I was waiting for Don Kirshner's rock concert. I had a sister that was six years older. So I was introduced to Led Zeppelin and Deep Purple and a lot of those bands before the kids in my class, because I was getting music when she was getting it. Right. So at, uh, at, uh, at 10 years old, I was listening to, you know, there comes a time and, and I'm sorry, not, not there comes a time uh, uh, after the gold rush and, you know, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and, and nice. uh, Deep Purple, and Fireball, and all all those records. Savoy Brown. Um, so I was I was getting a holy host of music, both rock, soft rock, country. My father listened to country mm-hmm. uh, constantly in the house. George Jones, <laughs> nice. um, and so, and then my brother was a Vietnam vet, and he was really more into the soul, Martha and the Vandellas, and and uh, nice. all the Motown stuff. So I was really getting a petri dish of you know a lot of different <laughs> styles, and I think um, I, I'm a little bit of a a little uh, handicapped, mentally handicapped. I think um, I don't see myself how other people. I don't know how other people perceive me. I think it's. <laughs> It's, it's been a blessing on a happy level. Yeah. It's been a fault on a career level. Really? Um, and so, well, yeah, because I never cared who I was standing next to. If, if, if you know, I never, it, it, I didn't have to have certain players be like attached to my, it, that kind of thing. The posing part of it didn't matter to me. If you were good, then I was happy, you know, and I didn't yeah. care if you were on front desk or, you know, and I found you happen in one day in the studio or, or whether you were on uh, John Lennon's record. It didn't matter to me. Um, I think that matters, you know, managing for 22 years, you know, I learned a lot about artists and man, that, that, those, that sort of thing matters a lot to them. It had to, I'm sorry, Jude, I was just gonna say, how did you, you said 22 years, what led you into management? That's incredible. Well, like I said, you know, uh, it, it was really go on the road and work your music until until you reach that audience where you're really pulling in money every night. Yeah. I don't like the road. And so it didn't right. make sense for me to do that because I, I had two boys and I just didn't want to do it. Didn't want to leave the family. Um, and, I, and so I, I figured out a way to stay home more than travel. I had to travel a lot as a manager too, but <laughs> yeah. uh, I, 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 not as much as a, as, as an artist. See, I, I think that's so smart though. Um, Cause yeah, I'm, I'm actually can relate to you. I have two sons too. And I do remember the first time I started traveling for business, I thought this is not what I want to do. <laughs> I have my boys. I want to go back and, and raise them. So I just think as a musician, that's awesome. Also, I love the quality of, you know, you gotta, you gotta set, set your own, um, set who you are and, you know, not fall into the mold and you definitely do that. And, 
you know, um, just going back, you know, you released, you know, Kudamon, like we said, in Colorator. Um, first new music, 21 years. What, what motivated you to release both these albums this year? That's incredible. Uh, well, the COVID thing, I think, really brought an end to uh, live music. So I didn't have a lot of work as, as a manager. Yeah. Um, and I found myself in the studio a lot more often. And I just thought, oh, I can pull the pieces together. I had a lot of pieces already accomplished for the the Coolerator record. I've been doing it for many years. And it was just a pet project that I never really got around to. Uh, so I was finally able to pull that all together <laughs> and finish the things that weren't finished and get it mixed, get it mastered, and um, so on. So I, I, I was able to finally do that. And then the, the Coup de Mon record is also a bit of a collection of songs that I've I've had some of them for a few years and then other ones I just finished. Uh, but I wanted an album because I had put an EP out of, of a few of the songs and I just, you know, an EP is just a little bit unfulfilling. So yeah. I wanted the record to be finished. And, uh, um, and so now that's a chapter that's over. I, I, <laughs> I can kind of move on mentally in my head. I can move on, you know, to the next, uh, to the next thing, you know, artistically speaking, but you know, at this point, Chuck, it's not, um, it's really just about trying to get it right. You know, yeah. In my own mind, if I can say like, okay, that's what I want. It's very much like writing the lyrics. You know, when you write a, a, a set of lyrics, a lot of times, a lot of my lyrics, I'll look back and I'll, I'll reflect on them and you know, I'll, I'll read them and go, that's pretty good. I missed a couple spots there that I would change, you know? Mm. Um, and then once in a while, there'll be a lyric where I'm like, uh, that's exactly what I wanted to say. I'm, I, I found the right words there. So I think that's the best you can do as a, as a writer and as a musician. I think you can just try You really to look back uh, after you've dropped, uh, after you've got put your attention on other things. Um, and See, I've, heard, I've, I've heard you say that too, about this specific, these albums. It's like, now you can take that step back and go, mm-hmm. okay, I can enjoy this moment. Now I can enjoy what I've done. Mm-hmm. See, and I have to say too, just the album itself. Um, you, you know, you mentioned Cool Raider, and for our listeners, you've got to check this out. It's an album of '50s covers. Oh my gosh, um, so many awesome renditions. I have to admit, you know, the one song I loved and listened to way too many times is "I Only Have Eyes for You." Uh, Jude, I love your rendition of that. Uh, you also got some Dear Dad going on, upbeat and fun. You know, I know everybody loves a winner. It hurts to love someone. Love these songs. I assume these were your favorites. Well, there are two songs that are original. Uh, Jason Wade and I wrote Don't Worry, and You uh, yeah. Know was mine. And, and the reason I put those on was just, <laughs> it's my own little sandbox of, of <laughs> could, I, could I write some songs that would even fit in this collection? It's my record, you know, the big song. Yeah. You're welcome. Uh, Jason and I wrote the Don't Worry, which very much sounds like a 50 song. And uh, uh, You Know I Know is really inspired by Freddie King. Um, and so, yeah, it's a, it's a 50s, 60s homage record. Those songs uh, that, I, that I decided on uh, were more obscure. Uh, other than I Only Have Eyes For You, obviously everyone knows that song. But uh, some of the other ones, like Desiree, uh, and uh, Mother Earth, uh, uh, 
It Hurts to Love Someone When They Don't Love You by a guy named Guitar Slim was just always one of my favorites. Oh, it's a great song, yeah. <clears throat> uh, yeah, and so I love all those songs. Um, I heard that song, Just for a Thrill, by Ray Charles on, on a Warner Brothers <clears throat> compilation that they had given me when I was an artist early on as an, uh, on the label. So I didn't hear that record until I was maybe 26 years old. Okay. And I would just listen to it over and over and over again. And so you can very much hear me doing my best. <laughs> just copy Ray Charles as much as I, you know, this white boy can. You know, I, can, I, can't get, I can't get there, but I can at least pretend for a couple of minutes. And that's, for me, that's just like, I, I get to exercise the greatest fanboy in me, which is really at the end of the day, I think, Chuck, that's what I am. I'm just a music fan. And, um, the artist thing, you know, came later and I, I learned how to do it. And I, I hope to think that I, I you know, I, I continue to kind of get better at it, but at the, at the end of the day, I'm really just a fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it shows I, I'm, I'm a fan too, because you come out with some really good music. And, uh, if we, if I could just go just a little bit longer, I do have a question. Um, I did want to go back to Kudamon really quick, um, about how you had the, the different totally different tracks and, and one track that really stood out to me is the dark and i love how you i believe you sort of wanted that pink floyd feel you know the 70s sound and, and you had producer artist patrick leonard uh plus lifehouse drummer ricky working on that how did you decide to to come up with such a brilliant uh pink floyd version of that as much Pink Floyd as I had heard up to that point, I had never really dug in deep to the Adam Hart Mother record and some of the others, Animals, and, and some of those other records. You know, there was Dark Side of the Moon and Wish You Were Here and, and of course, The Wall. Right. Those were the big ones in, in my library, but I hadn't gotten into their whole collection, and so I really kind of did. And um, it, it just obviously came out in me like, oh, again, can I do that? Um, and I wrote this guitar part and it was almost very, you know, very Neil Youngish in a way. It's kind of like, a, let me see if I can tune it down. Uh, that, that to me almost sounds like something off of, uh, that Neil Young record that was the follow-up to his uh, Harvest, the, the Harvest Moon record. Yeah. Um, but yeah. then, like, you know, I, I took that Pink Floyd approach with the this very simple Nick Mason-style drumming, which I think Rick did extremely well. And Pat Leonard, been a friend for years, he came down, he's my neighbor, he was my neighbor he moved now uh, for 10 years close to 10 years he was my neighbor and he brought his uh, nord synth down and Ooh. it was just a little guy you know and i thought well i know he's got all this great shit in his in his room maybe we should go up to his place and do it at his place right and what he got out of this nord was like oh my god pat you know he's just such a great synthesis he can program he if you can say like I, I need this bells whistles whatever he he just as a synthesis he knows how to dial that stuff up so when wow. i said pink floyd he knew exactly what i was going for and he just dialed it up but then pr proceeded to perform it in a way that just 
you know, we, we trade riffs at the end of the song and, and um, it was just an absolute blast. <laughs> it's really good. In addition to all those other songs in there. Um, Jude, I, I tell you, I, I love those albums. Again, Kudamon and Coolerator just came out. I encourage all our listeners to download those now. They're available. They're awesome. What is next for you? What's coming up? You know, honestly, Chuck, I'm 61 and I, I'm on that verge of, I am doing something different and I can't really talk about it because it's, it doesn't really exist mm-hmm. in musically speaking. And it, it has nothing to do with popular music or blues or any of that stuff. Um, it's a completely different genre with a completely different twist on it. And it's an idea that I think might take me a couple of years to actually accomplish. So, um, and because it doesn't exist, I don't, you know, I, I, it's not something I'm really at liberty to want to talk about, but uh, uh, you can bet that I'll, I'll be, you know, driven again in my, <laughs> in my own small way. Uh, and, and it might completely crash land and, or it might actually do what, you know, my idea and my dream of it could do, which is to open up people's minds to go, oh, this is a cool new reason to listen to this kind of music and so that's what i have if that tells you anything that's what i have i think it does and what's great is is now all of your audience they have two brand new albums to keep them busy with plenty of music until you get done with your project so that's awesome and i I continue to release things i have a little soundcloud page and for people who are you know really interested in anything i'm doing of the moment i'll put i'll put new demos up or things that i'm working on uh, just as kind of a sketchboard, you know, it's kind of a nice place to just put it up there and go, yeah, that's not me, <laughs> you know, or that really works, you know. Uh, uh, so it, it's a nice place to do that with because a few people's eyes are on it, but not too many. That's awesome, Jude. Well, I, I just want to thank you again. Your career has been great. Your music is incredible. Just want to thank you, Jude, for taking time to join me today. Thank you so much. Absolutely. You're welcome. Thank you online coffee break. Wow, I really enjoyed my conversation with you today. Hope you did too. And I'm loving his new music. Again, Kudamon and Colorator are available now for download. I highly encourage you to check that out. If you'd like to learn more about Jude, just go to his website at judecole.com. I want to thank Jude for joining me today. I want to thank you for joining us as well. Again, we'd appreciate it if you'd share this episode with a friend or rate us. Give us a like or a thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. God bless.